Good morning, and we are live in the Facebook group, Kingdom Leadership Equipping, and on the podcast, KLE, Kingdom Leadership Equipping. This is about equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset. Today is Sunday, and this is the Sunday message for the group and for the podcast. Hey, I'm Sean, your host, and, uh, you know, I've... I've experienced the the best, the better, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the worst of leadership. I've experienced leadership destroying my ministry and uh, my ministry, but you know what what Michelle and I built over 15, 20 years, uh, suddenly all our relationships, our everything we had built over 20 years was destroyed just in a in a, in a matter of months, weeks, basically. Of course, it was a long process. Got to the place where I was sitting um, in my lounge and wondering, what is my life about at that point in time? You, you know, when you've gone from living the dream of, of pastoring the church, leading, being involved, uh, you know... <laughs> engaging people, helping people, ministering to people. And, you know, in my whole life, our whole life, Michelle and I, everything we had done was towards building the church and, and ministering to the people and just trying to equip the people as the best we could. We had no idea what leadership was. Nobody had taught us anything about leadership and definitely nothing about kingdom. And then suddenly here we are faced with a situation where I was introduced to a leader by my spiritual father, introduced to, a, to an apostolic leader who decided what the agenda was. And when we didn't fit the agenda, went about destroying the church and destroying everything that we had built. And within, within a month, we went from living a dream, to selling dog food from door to door, having to sell our cars, sell our home, uh, you know. And and actually, I got to the place that I thought that I, I don't even know what my life is about. I don't know what, what is next in my life. I, I don't know how to deal with this. I, I didn't know. And it seemed like everybody had an opinion at that point in time, and not always good opinion. Everybody had an opinion of what I'd done wrong, why I'd gone wrong, how they were better than me. The knives came out, um, the swords was <laughs> came out, and it was it was like I cannot explain the dark place that I went through. Friends were few. You ever been there where you, you just have few friends? But you know what? God still sends the right people across your path. God still sends people into your life who helps you through. Who's, who speaks to you, who um, connects with you, who helps you, and you keep moving forward, you, you keep going. And, you know, just to say this is where we've come from, this is where I've come from and why I do what I do right here. And so we we just keep moving forward in these things. And, and uh, you know, it's just to say to you is that wherever you are, God will still work at equipping you, using you, helping you, moving you forward. And and that's the whole 
idea. That's the whole plan behind everything. Two things about leaders that we need to, to experience is that, first off, we need to see how Jesus led, and then we need to understand what it is to be led by somebody that is like Jesus. You understand? So we need those two areas. We need to, to really understand what it is to have, to be experiencing the equipping like Jesus gave, and then to be in the place of where, how Jesus actually led. When I went back to the Gospels and I began to, you know, rehash, if I may, reread the Gospels with a with a, a mindset that the Holy Spirit was revealing to me, I began to understand, wait a minute, you know what, we haven't seen this kind of leadership too often. People have aspects of it, but, but we've not seen the competent, confident leadership like Jesus has. And I want to say, and I really want to emphasize this, we need this kind of leadership in today's world. We need in, in the church, in the world, we need skilled leadership. So before we can even get to skilled workers is what we're talking about. We need skilled leadership. We need leadership who actually know how to engage, equip, and empower. We need those kind of leaders. You know, Michelle and I have had a story, and I'm sure you've had a story, and many of you have, have your own stories. And some of it is, is great stories. Some people have had great relationships, great experiences. And sometimes, you know, I think that we go through storms of, of these kind of experiences for us to be fashioned with a message. I, I really believe that is because now I, I would never have thought that I would be sitting here do, saying this, doing this with this kind of mentality 20 years ago. I would never imagined. But here I am today and uh, I am very passionate about this movement this concept of equipping a new generation of leaders with a kingdom mindset for us to see competent, confident leaders, but competent and confident in kingdom ways, not, not in worldly ways. We've adopted too many of the world's uh, wrong model of leadership because even, even the world needs, I, you know, I do the Leadership Boost podcast as well, and that is to refashion, reshape, to bring a message to leaders and saying, we've got to change, even if you're in management or senior management, CEO, if you see suite, it doesn't matter where you are. But specifically here, I want to talk to you, the church, um, about being skilled. We need skilled workers. Okay, so let's let's get into the message. Um, that was by way of introduction. But so let's get into the message of, of, of today. And where are the skilled workers? Part two. <laughs> and this is the last days. We're in the last days. Uh, we've been in the last days since Jesus left the earth, but now we are in a situation, it, you know, is that it's crisis time. I'm telling you, we're at a crunch time where leadership is desperately needed, where skilled workers are desperately needed. So what does that mean? Does that mean we've been through the sausage machine and we know how to do the EE3 or we know how to do you know, whatever program the ch your, your local church is offering you or ch whatever churches you've been going through. You know, I want to bring a different angle to this. I want to just unpack a little bit more. And last week we started with the first thing that we need to look at as authority and not just like the believer's authority. Um, are we talking about the authority of the kingdom of God? We, we understand that we represent a king 
and we represent his kingdom, which means we have authority of another government, of another country. We're not just these lonely little you know, entities in the middle of the world here trying to exercise some kind of government and uh, you know, uh, some kind of authority and some kind of power to, to overcome the, the enemy. You know? And I, if you look at forums and you listen to people speaking, we, we just can see how powerless and, and how uh, the church does not understand its authority because people are still praying, help me get through this, you know, uh, you know, it's constantly, you know, they don't know how to exercise the authority. Please help me to get out of this job. Well, maybe God put you in that job, you know, kind of thing is just, we need to understand. Hey, oh yes, before I go on, thank you for being with me. And thank you for those that, that did jump on before on the live broadcast. I hope you are back here with me on this one. Um, there was Lisa and Miranda and a couple of other people. So, um, <laughs> I apologize profusely for, for the signal on my laptop that was lost. So that's why I jumped onto the phone now and do it on my mobile, which makes it a lot, well, it seems to be a lot better and a lot easier. Because what I've got to do is I've got to pause the podcast and all the rest of it as well. Anyway, we, here we are, um, raw and unedited, just just you and me. So I, I welcome you. Thank you for being with me today. And uh and I hope that I bring something, I trust that I bring something that will really just enlighten, you know, reveal something into your own life and heart. All right. And good to see you. Madonna is on with me at the moment. So great to have you with me, Madonna. All right. So we are talking from Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. And it says this. Well, actually, let's back up a little bit. Let's go to uh, verse 35. And, and it says, um, Okay, well, let's read verse 34. <laughs> and it says, But the Pharisees were saying, He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. But verse 35, And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming, listen carefully, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease and every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, and seeing the multitudes, verse 36, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And then verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Now we, we need to understand that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. That's what another translation says. The harvest, Jesus said the harvest is ready. We've got this idea that somehow the world is not ready. Somehow people are not ready. And they are ready. The harvest is ready. The harvest is there. They, but they're not looking for our churches. They're not looking for our organizations, our religion. They're not looking for a religious format. They're not looking for the organization or the institution. They're not looking for your meeting. They're looking for something else. What did Jesus take to them? He took and proclaimed and taught and instructed them, taught in the synagogues and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom the good news, he heralded, he proclaimed the good news or the message of the kingdom of God. And, and, and out of that message came the manifestation of healings. We think just because we heal the sick and have signs and wonders that everybody's going to come. You're missing an aspect and the aspect is the gospel of the kingdom. Now I've been criticized because, you know, you focus so much on that, but if we understand is that when, 
When we represent the right thing, when we represent not our own name, our own ministry, our own you know, organization, our own denomination, but when we represent who we really supposed to represent, then there's an effect. There is an impact. Things begin to happen. And signs and wonders do take place because out of that message, gee, once he had proclaimed the government of God has arrived, once he proclaimed that the rule and the dominion and the reign of God is here, now signs and wonders could flow out of that and an impact could be made. So that's when every kind of the sickness and every kind of disease was being healed. Jesus didn't preach healing. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. All right, so let's move on. And he says that the harvest is plentiful. So that's what they're looking for. People are looking for the good news of the kingdom. They're looking for a new government. They're overthrowing governments. We vote people in. We vote people out. Always looking. I hear Christians all the time praying. We're praying for a Christian government. Well, we're not going to get one. We're not going to get a Christian government. Because that's not what was designed. Democracy is not the kingdom of God. People are looking for a savior. They're looking for a solution in a government, in a government minister, in, in a representative. So they're voting people like you and me, voting them in to government and expecting them to have the solution, the answer to all the problems. Take care of us. Protect us, take care of us, provide for us, make sure we live in peace and harmony, make sure we are provided for, make sure we've got enough food, bread, house, everything. These people cannot do it. And specifically because many of them are coming in with an agenda, which is not always a godly agenda. Democracy is not kingdom. Kingdom is not democracy. Kingdom is not a republic. Kingdom of God is a monarchy that is ruled and reigned by a king. And so that's what they're looking for. Now the harvest is plentiful, but it say, he says, Jesus says, the workers are few. The workers are few. This, the workers here are those that are able to carry out a mandate. The word here is, is somebody that's prepared to labor at it. But you know, you can, you can have people laboring and not knowing what they're doing. And when you put people to work who don't know what they're doing, they will continually not do anything. You, you dig a hole here. <laughs> I remember I was helping when I went back to South Africa back uh, like 10 years ago, 11, maybe 12 years ago, we, we left England, had to go back to South Africa for a while. We went back to South Africa and I had to work as a supervisor or a foreman of a team of guys digging a trench for fiber optic um, what's the channeling you know and we, we had to do like uh, a mile at a time half a mile at a time and and so i'd have this huge team of like 45 guys 50 guys all with pick and shovels because you couldn't use mechanical means unless it was in an open area but in town you had to use pick and shovel. And so these guys would be digging pick and shovel. And nobody would give us instructions. We would just dig. And the health inspector arrived, or whoever was the, no, the, the city inspector arrived, and he just freaked out. Our health and safety was not up to scratch. We were digging in the wrong areas. We were cutting roots, and they were complaining about the roots being cut, and you shouldn't be here. And, we should. and all we were told is, this is the line, dig here. And that's what we did. 
I didn't know any different. And so I had to first get to know what the information was that we needed to actually dig this trench properly. But in the meantime, like we were fine, you know, the, the company was fine and everything because they hadn't told us. So now all the bosses are shouting at me because I said, but you didn't tell us what was necessary or not necessary. You didn't find out. And so this whole thing gets replicated over and over again. So when I when I spent I spent time with the inspector, asked him all the questions, went back to to the laborers, the workers and said, OK, this is what we've got to do. This is how we. And now they were they were so excited, they were so motivated to actually get the job done because now they said, please don't let the bosses come to the site because they don't tell us anything, but you explain everything to us properly. And I said, well, it's easy because we had to first find out what was necessary. Workers, unskilled workers, do not get the thing going. If you look at the church, in the first couple of years, 100 years of the church, from being birthed supernaturally in the book of Acts, the first hundred years, it just expanded. Just something happened. At the moment, after that, it just seemed to, that religion kicked in, you know, all the hierarchy, control, manipulation, uh, people weren't allowed to read their Bibles, people weren't being taught, uh, you know, all these things kicked in, people were being burnt at the stake if they didn't conform their tongues. I mean, I went to a, a I went to a museum in Holland where they they were showing they used a, a thing that people that were preaching the gospel, they a punch, a round punch, like a pipe kind of punch, they would punch a hole in their tongue so they couldn't speak. So they wouldn't preach anymore. This is the cost that people had for for violating religion. And still religion is the one that fights the most violence, uh, demands conformance, rejects, ignores. You know, it just goes through the whole process. And we seem to have fallen into that place to where now it's not about getting workers skilled anymore. It's about if you don't come to our church, you're going to hell. If you don't conform to our religion, you're going to hell. If you don't come to our meeting, well, then, you know, if you if you say you're not coming to our meeting, you don't come to our church, you go to hell. So just go. We, I'm, I'm OK. I'm going to be here in the church. I'm going to be I'll pray for you in my church, but you can go to hell. And so we, this is not <laughs> this is not godly workers. This is not preaching the kingdom of God. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus said then already. And I still think we've. We've got so few skilled workers for this times that we're living in. The church hasn't kept up the birth rate of the church. You know, the, the born again birth rate has not kept up with the birth rate within the uh, world. Now, we thank God for places like Iran, where God is moving tremendously and people are having visions and dreams of Jesus and getting saved, they don't even know how, and having to be led by the Spirit to find communities of believers where they can spend time and learn and grow together, bypassing internet uh, restrictions, etc. We think of China, we think of Africa. Here in the United States, decline. Europe, decline. The church is declining. We need an 
you know, I'm, I don't believe I'm here to inspire a new generation of believers around the world, a new generation of leaders that will, in fact, engage and begin to equip people to be skilled workers. Now, last week we looked at the fact that Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and to 18, 19 and 20, Jesus said that all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's his end time strategy. We think that discipleship is bringing people to our church, to meet our pastor, to hear a nice message, to to uh, listen to their uh, TV broadcast or, you know, um, we think that discipleship is getting people to our meetings, into our programs. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is a skilled process. And we're going to be looking at that over the next couple of weeks. Discipleship is a skilled process. It takes a mentor who is skilled to actually impart something to somebody else. And we're supposed to do that into cultures, into nations, into ethnic groups. We're supposed to be going in and making disciples of people, not just ignoring them, not telling them going to hell because they're not part of our denomination. That's what we do. It's like, if you're not, if you're not Baptist, then you're going to hell. If you're not Methodist, you're going to hell. Is this, this is crazy stuff that we've got going on here. We've got to, hi Janine, we, we've got to move beyond that stuff and become skilled workers who know how to make disciples. Now we're going to look at that definition again of discipleship. I did do a podcast and I did do a live broadcast on what is making disciples. What does it mean? But we're going to rehash that again because I think it bears repeating. Because we need to understand that. I, in fact, this week I, I was somebody mentioned how they're trying to get people to engage with them after the meeting. And I said, you don't engage with people after a Sunday meeting. You engage with people in a, in a process of relationships. We're so unskilled in relationships. The church huddles in a, in a building in their own little world, their own conversation, their own kind of talk. And they've created their own little culture, which is not a bad thing, but we're not reaching out with our culture into the cultures of the world. What we do is damn those cultures and say, you're going to hell. Therefore, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with my little crowd and you can go to hell because you don't want to come to my thing. We've got to rethink our strategy. Jesus' end time strategy to reach the church was go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them. We'll look at what that means in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, listen to this, teaching them to obey whatsoever I've commanded you. So whatever instructions I'm giving you, you are supposed to teach them in that. You're supposed to impart them in that. We think that's standing in a pulpit. Way not. <laughs> Definitely not. All right. So in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the skilled workers are few. Um, and then verse 38, therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest. Who are we supposed to go to? The Lord of the harvest. To send out workers into his harvest. We need to beseech the Lord to, to in fact, send skilled workers, skilled laborers into the harvest. The harvest is ready, but we don't have skilled workers who know how to engage, who have to equip, how to empower how to harvest 
that harvest that is ripe out in the world, in the kingdoms, in the system, in the cosmos of the of this world, we don't we we don't have skilled workers. Now there are, I'm generalizing, obviously, there are skilled workers, but we don't have enough. It, that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying then and it still is the case. We they are few. But we, we need to beseech, we need to pray, we need to ask the Lord for skilled workers. Skillful means somebody that is um, has the wisdom to approach it, wisdom to do it, wisdom on how to reach out to them. So uh, Jesus, in fact, says this, I think it's in chapter 11, um, but, but he says, what did you go out to see? And, and he said, you, you uh, uh, verse 18, he says, in, in chapter 11 of Matthew, he says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. So they rejected him. Verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard. <laughs> so one was just, John the Baptist was totally separate from society. He went into the desert. Everybody came to him in the desert. Isn't that a great church? No marketing there, man. We just went to the desert. People came. And verse 19, and he goes, they came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard. So Jesus now, he infiltrates society, he infiltrates the culture of the day, and he begins to mix with them. He begins to fellowship with them. He begins to partake of what they're partaking of but not becoming them. And they call him a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend, listen, of tax, tax gatherers and sinners. So he became a friend and they accused him. That's what they still do. You know, one guy said, you're dancing with darkness if you, if you are actually out there in the world. You're dancing with darkness. And so what am I supposed to do? Become a monastery? Must I become a monk? then who's going to be out in the world? Who's going to actually do this? If I, you know, people accuse me and said, one guy said, oh, you know, you, the only influence you've got is a, is a Facebook group and a podcast. I said, yeah, that's where, that's where people are. They're in, on Facebook and they are on their phones. They listen to podcasts. No, but you know, it's, it's not right. It, you, you, that's, or whatever, don't even go there. But and that's the, the the mentality. It's like so narrow. Because come and join our monastery, come and be in our building, and we'll go and preach and prophesy to them. And if they don't come, they're gonna help. We've got to change this mentality and get the strategy that Jesus, the strategy of making disciples is not a program, you understand? It's not a course. It's so much more than that. So let's understand what this is. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's, let's understand the strategy and what it takes. It takes, first off, you've got to have authority. Secondly, and you have authority, but you've got to understand where that authority comes from. What is that authority? Go to last week, get that. Number two, hey, Janine, did I say hi? Okay, I'll say hi again. Number two is you need skilled workers. Look at, look at this. So Jesus said, we need, to, we need to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out skilled workers into his harvest. Oh, let's, sorry, go back to um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. 
Jesus said, Jesus speaking, he says, the son of man came eating, drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. Yet, listen to this, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds or approved, vindicated or approved by her deeds. My, my commentary in the, in the, um, uh, No, never mind. So, yet wisdom. So, so, the skill of these workers is wisdom. John the Baptist did it one way. He was in the desert. He And you know what? I always wondered why he wore camel clothes and ate locusts and honey. Did you ever wonder that? This is like, this guy's weird. <laughs> and when I, when I read that, I thought about it for years. I never understood why. Hey, Sandra. Um... I wondered why he was, why did John the Baptist wear camel clothes, you know, camel hairs? It wasn't like the designer stuff of the day. So why did he wear camel hair? And why did he, hey, Miranda, welcome back. Sorry, I lost you in the previous live. My signal got lost. Um, so we're talking about John the Baptist. Why did he wear camel hair? And hey, Keith, good to see you, buddy. Why did, G, why did John the Baptist wear camel hair and eat locusts? I mean, of all things, and honey. And you know what the Lord showed me was John the Baptist as the forerunner to a new season, a new wine, a new wineskin, totally was removed from the, um, totally removed himself from the, the institution of the day. He removed himself out of the religious format of how they ate and all that. He totally removed himself. He didn't wear their garb and he, their clothing. And he, it just reflects everything of change. He was the forerunner of change. He was the one going before announcing change. And of course, they rejected him. They, what, what did Jesus say? They called him a, um, he, they said he has a demon because he doesn't fit. He's not a stereotype. He, he doesn't fit our religious order. He doesn't fit. He doesn't dress like us. He doesn't talk like us. He doesn't eat like us. He doesn't even come to our church. He's a demon. <laughs> That's what they said. They still do. But, but Jesus comes along and he actually is infiltrating the culture that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes and the Sadducees didn't get into. He comes and he actually mixes with them, makes friends with these scam artists, these tax collectors, and he makes friends with these these um, these sinners <laughs> that the religious and the religious order of the day totally rejected, and they say he is a gluttonous man and a drunkard. Oh, he's bad. He's a wine bibber. <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus says. Wisdom, wisdom is approved or vindicated by her deeds or her actions or the results or the impact it gets. The impact of wisdom is found in wisdom, in the wisdom. And we need skilled workers who are wise, who know how to reach the culture of the day, who know how to reach the society that we're living in. 
And I'm telling you, it's not going to be the denominations. It's not going to be the organizations. It's not going to be, you know, I don't even want to get into because I don't want to get critical of all the stuff that's going on. But it's not going to be these things. It's going to be. It's going to be skilled people that know how to reach in, who know how to make disciples. In this world, in this cosmos systems. Wise, the skill is going to be wisdom. So you have knowledge, you have understanding and you have wisdom. Knowledge is the input. Understanding is when you can translate it into practical implications and the wisdom is the application of it. The wisdom is what you do with it when you get out there. Understanding is being able to put it all together and see how it fits into your life and into, into the process of what Jesus is calling you to do. Now look at this. This is what it's going to take. Verse 38, therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send our workers in. So we need to begin to ask the Lord to send out the Lord of the harvest. Here's the Lord of the harvest, not you, not I. He's the Lord of the harvest. We need to beseech him to send out workers into the harvest. But now look what happens. Verse, chapter 10, verse 1. And having summoned his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So now not only did he do it in verse 35 of chapter 9, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, but now he gives them authority and power to do it as well. He gave them authority over you have authority, we spoke about that last week, over unclean spirits. Because you represent the government of heaven. You represent the king. The government in, of heaven is a king. You understand? A king of kings. You are a king. He is the king of kings. You're a king because you rule and reign in his stead. You actually come and you bring the authority of heaven to earth. Therefore, you have authority over demons because... You are recolonizing this earth. You are reestablishing the kingdom of God on this earth. So he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. We need to begin to walk in our authority that we have as citizens of the kingdom of God. And it gives the names then verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. And then verse 5. Look at verse 5 of chapter 10 of Matthew. Very important. Verse 5. And it says, these 12 Jesus sent out after, after what? After instructing them, after instructing them. It's, it's an interesting word here. It's called para, para, let me get the Greek word for this. Um, para angelo comes from two words, para to the side of and angelo means to tell, to declare. So to pass on an announcement, hence to give the word to someone nearby, to give an order or a command. He gave them all instructions, orders and commands that they had to carry out. And that, isn't that what Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 as well? He, to carry on this whole process in cooperating with his mission. That's what commission means. Cooperate with the mission means to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey whatsoever I have commanded you. 
So, you know, for me, it was when I read that, I went back and started looking at what Jesus had commanded his disciples. Because instruction here was a very important point. And you can go read then in verse chapter, verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and it goes on right through. Um, but but the instructions really are to verse 15, I think, or, or um, down to verse 10. Down to verse 10, you can see the instructions that he gives for them to go out. And, and it's also repeated in Mark and in Luke. But it, the important thing I want you to see here is that Jesus didn't send them out before he instructed them, before he passed on the command that he had. The, the, the word para, paraangelo actually comes from, or para, comes from another word, uh, another word associated with that is paraangelia. And listen to this, is to strictly used of commands received from a superior and transmitted to others. So he received and he passed it on. We receive, we're passing it on. <laughs> Can you see that? But to get the skill, to get the wisdom, we, we cannot be sitting in our little churches, in our buildings, and saying everybody else is going to hell. We've got to engage them like Jesus did. We're not forerunners like John the Baptist. Jesus said he was Elias. He, was, he came as, a, as the one that was going before. In fact, I was reading that last night, and I thought that was really, really interesting to me. But um, listen to this. In, in um, Matthew chapter 11, it says, Jesus speaking about John the Baptist. And in verse 9, he says, verse 8, he says, But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. And, and then in verse 9, he says, But why did you go out to see? This is chapter 11, hey? To see a prophet, yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. And then he quotes, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. You see, now we like that. It's like nobody has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Oh, man, John the Baptist was great. But listen to what Jesus says. Yet... He, who's, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It doesn't matter where you are, what you are, what you think you are, what you think you're not. You, not because you have a title or a position or because you're a pastor, prophet, priest. Not because of that. Even if you're least or most insignificant, if, you, if you're insignificant where it concerns the kingdom of God, in your mind, you understand, he says, you are greater than John the Baptist because you're not preparing the way. You actually are establishing the way. You bring in the way. You're not preparing the way. You are showing the way. You are making the way. <laughs> you're taking the way that Jesus is and you're bringing it to earth. You bring in the kingdom rule and reign and, and dominion of God into the earth, ruling over circumstances. You are the kings that are representing the king, the government of heaven. I wish I could just like impress this upon you. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, listen, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent, violent men take it by force. 
For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you care to accept that he himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he talks about this generation. He was talking about that generation, the current generation there. The important thing I want you to see is, is that you're greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> so that's why we, but we haven't been instructed properly in, in the principles and truths, the laws of the kingdom of God. Now, when I say laws, people immediately think, oh, I don't want any law on me. But every government has laws. Every country has laws. Every country has a constitution that is the foundation of all its laws. And so does a monarchy. A king has laws. He has precepts and statutes that we follow. And we have them written upon our heart. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. We have these things written upon the tablets of our heart. And that's what we live out. That's what we establish. That's what we teach others. Not teaching a regulation law like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that laid a heavy burden on people. And he said, you, you teach these conditions and you teach these, these regulations and obligations. That's different. And you're not prepared to lift one of them with your own finger. You don't lift it, but you lay it on people, these heavy burdens on people, which are your regulations, your obligations, your rules, man's things that make the word of God of none effect, which makes the constitution of God of none effect. Listen, this is the constitution of God. You live by this and you, you are actually conforming to the kingdom of God. That's why we've got to renew our mind that we can change our culture. We change our culture from kingdom, the, the, the earthly culture, the, the kingdoms of this cosmos world, and we change it to being the kingdom of God culture. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to get into a new mindset. Does that, does that make sense? It's like a friend of mine, Christo from Amanus, was in the group, said the other day, uh, yesterday, in fact, I haven't answered him yet, but he said, isn't it amazing how people in the Western world don't understand kingdom because we've never grown up in a kingdom. We think kingdom is democracy. People fight me on this. They fight me to stay a democracy. Well, I have my independence. I have my rights. You know, No, you don't. You give up your rights to take on the rights of a new citizenship. When I become a citizen of the United States in two years time or so, two and a half years time, I have to give up my rights of any other citizenship and take on the rights and in, of, of being an American citizen. That's what it takes. That's what it is. And I have to, you, you can't then say, well, I don't know the law. You've got to know the law. You've got to know what it means to live peacefully in this society here. So I represent America in what I do. You have to live by the laws and 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 statutes of the constitution of heaven so that you represent the, as a as a good citizen you represent and you have access to the rights of heaven that's what we do that's what we have that's what we, we we've got but what we do is we don't understand what it is to live as a kingdom citizen because we don't understand kingdom citizenship we don't understand what kingdom is and what I've done is I've actually begun to read, understand, learn what is kingdom thinking, because understand we've got a whole different concept. We think democracy. We think organizational hierarchy. We think leadership in the kingdom of God is hierarchy. 
the CEO. I'm the CEO of the board of this church. No, you're not. Yes, well, that's what you've got. You've just got an organization. You haven't got a kingdom. What we've done is we've tried to switch kingdom and church. We think kingdom is church and church is kingdom. Not the same thing. Church is ecclesia. It's the gathering of a community of the citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what it is. And we bring a kingdom culture into our community. That's different. What we've done is we've replaced that with our king, our church culture. We have to rethink what we're doing. Because this is what the world does not want. But what they do want is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. They do want to understand their citizenship. They don't know it yet. But that's why Jesus came. He came to restore and reconcile us back to that relationship that we can have so that we can become citizens of the country that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Isn't that exciting? That's the good news, people. That's the good news. Being restored back to Genesis chapter 1, the Garden of Eden. And that's what we need to understand is that. So we need leaders like Jesus now, if you look at yourself in this, in this case, one is that I'm in a place that I need instruction. And two is that are we leaders that are instructing? We need leaders today. And that's the whole point of this movement that I have going on here is that we need leaders who are going to instruct people in the commandments of the kingdom of God. He instructed them to be wise so that they would be, have their wisdom. What did Jesus say? That their wisdom is vindicated or approved by their deeds. How they reach, how they have impact. That's what we got to understand, how we have impact. Powerful chapter this, powerful chapter. But we need so today, I just want to leave that with you. We need skilled workers. And skilled workers take time to have the instruction. That doesn't mean it takes years and years and you're never good enough. I'm saying we, that's where the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher comes in. That's not a position, you understand. That's not a title. Those are people that are, those are gifts that are given to the body of Christ to equip the saints. To equip the saints, not only to mature the body of Christ, but to equip the saints to do the work of serving the world. Serving them with the gift of the kingdom of God. Freely you received, freely give. But this is not about me showing you how great I am. Me showing you how great my platform is, how great my ministry is. This is about me Equipping you with a new mindset so that you become the skilled worker. And me, I mean, I'm not, it's not that I'm just doing, I'm a gift to equip you. But I also am a believer. I'm also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so we've got to infiltrate. God gives us platforms. God gives us gifts. God gives us talents, strengths, abilities that he's equipped you. He's sending you into the corporate world, into businesses, to be a businessman or woman or to create businesses, to work uh, in factories, to work on farms. To One guy is a, is a dustbin worker and they said, don't you want a better job? And he said, why? 
He said, I'm reaching people that, and you, you know, a lot of those guys are, are ex-prison um, convicts, etc. And he says, I am able to reach them where nobody else is, does. And that's what I, I really believe. I really believe we've got to get out of this monastery-mindedness in the church and begin to take the gospel to where people are. All right? So that's the thought for today. I see I've gone way over time, but I, I, I trust that you, you're getting to see the spirit of this. You're beginning to get illumination in this area and begin to understand the, the, the strategy that Jesus is and has and wants implemented into his church. And so... First, as leaders, we need to be instructing workers to be skilled workers. We need to be workers that are skilled, skilled in um, how we reach this cosmos. We're going to be looking more at this next Sunday. All right. So thank you for being with me. Really great to have you on live and on the, the podcast. Uh, remember the, the, the um, oh gosh, what is it? The website. <laughs> <laughs> KingdomLeadershipEquipping.com. The, the blog is there. I'll do. I, I write notes tonight or tomorrow. I write notes on this um, on the blog, so you can go and see a written version of this. And you can sign up for the newsletter, which I do not send out that often, so because I don't want to spam you. But also the links to the to the podcasts are on there and information. We'd love to hear from you. Um, love to have a comment. Uh, love to have a share. Um, please and please go over to wherever we are on KLE, um, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Anchor, Google, wherever. Give us a follow and give us a, a like, give us a review, because the more we have, the more the message gets out there to those that need it most. All right. So thank you for being with me. I love and appreciate you tremendously. And from Michelle and I, we say God bless you until next time.